Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today and you are enjoying this Christmas season. It is a cold and windy Christmas Eve here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness, who we featured on episode 145. Now, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that Jeremy has helped me get in the best shape of my life this past year. And if you're planning on working on your health and fitness goals in the coming year, I encourage you to put Jeremy in your corner to help you as well. There are links in the show notes to find all of his services. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. Now, a lot of you have ordered my books as Christmas gifts for the leaders and future leaders in your lives. So uh, thank you very much, and I appreciate all of your support. Now, as a reminder, Deep Leadership is ranked in the top 2% most popular shows out of 3 million podcasts globally and is ranked in the top 100 management podcasts in the U.S. Thanks to your support this past year. I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in every week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show in 2022, and I am thankful. So thank you very much for listening in and uh, sharing these episodes. I appreciate it. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about how you can avoid becoming obsolete in an ever-shifting business landscape, and my guest is Julie Noonan. Julie helps us understand what we need to do to remain relevant, especially as we get older as leaders. As we head into a new year, I thought it was important to get Julie on the show to help all of us think about the things that we need to do to continue to grow and develop in our careers. Now, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Julie Noonan. Julie is an executive coach, transformational change leader, speaker, consultant, and futurist. She has spent her career working with companies of all sizes, helping people ride the waves of change. Now, I'm excited to have on the show to talk about how leaders can avoid obsolescence in an ever-shifting business landscape. So, Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. I really appreciate being here. Yes, it is nice to meet you. And uh, and I think this subject is really important for all of our listeners. We have various different age brackets that listen in on the show. So uh, I'm excited to what you're bringing to the table. But before we get into some of those details, tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up getting in the coaching, consulting and speaking business. <laughs> Um, in a roundabout way, probably like a lot of people. Yes. <laughs> I started my career as an instructional designer. I had high hopes to be a, a professional uh, teacher in college, but that didn't work out. I didn't like macaroni and cheese and hot dogs that much. <laughs> um, so I went into corporate America, became an instructional designer, um, did a lot of training and development. From there, went into more organizational development and got into change management when I went into being a consultant um, 
loved consulting, loved the variety, loved being able to learn about all the different industries and and really just watch different people in different stages of change uh, throughout my career. So that's how I got into change management. And then over the course of my change management journey, I found myself the higher level of position I was asked to play, uh, I wound up coaching uh, a lot more of the executives who were sponsoring these big changes, um, mainly because they didn't have a really good handle on how to handle emotion, mm. um, were very scared of it, would never say that, but they were very scared <laughs> yes. of it, yeah. you know, it, it, but it was probably the single biggest thing that they worried about, but never talked about. Mm-hmm. And so I wound up uh, becoming an executive coach because I just saw so much change in the world, especially uh, after I started my company. Um, it was right before the pandemic. And man, did that rip the Band-Aid off, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. as far yeah. as change goes. And we all had to make that change. And so um, I've really been spending a lot more time since the pandemic, actually coaching leaders on managing change, not only for their companies, but for themselves. Yeah, and I think that's really important. It's interesting you said that you you started out doing change management with helping lead groups. And then what you end up finding out is that the leader uh, has to change as well. And I think that's the hardest part often. You know, it's like we can tell yeah. groups of people to change, but ourselves, what do you mean us change too? You know, we don't want to change. We want other people <laughs> to change. Nobody likes change, right? Including leaders. So interesting exactly. that you gravitated in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So one, th- one thing I want to ask you about is you said on your website, and I love this, uh, and I want to talk to you about it. You said that you have a genuine love of people in all of their messiness. What do you mean by that? <laughs> um, people are essentially emotional beings who think every once in a while. <laughs> and <laughs> I think Brene Brown said that, and I just gravitated towards that. But when when I was thinking about what I absolutely love the most about what I do, is watching people deal with life, Mm. whether it's in an organization, whether it's in their personal lives, but watching people either deal with it poorly or deal with it well. And um, their emotions are just so messy. Mm. And depending on how you perceive emotions, you can see them as being messy and destructive, or you can see them as being an essential part of your life mm-hmm. and the lives of others and getting people through the emotional pieces in order for them to be able to be productive and to move forward. That's the piece that I love to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, many leaders, as I just mentioned before, they really shy away from that. They shy away from the messiness of people. And we are all missing. I love that you say that. That's why it really triggered me when I saw it, because it's like, that's the thing that I've loved the most about leadership is that I always say that people are messy, Mm -hmm. but they're also Mm -hmm. amazing, you know, and if you could could just sort of put it past a little bit, okay, they're going to be messy, but wait till, wait till you see the amazing things they're going to do, you know, and if you can just 
deal with the messiness, you're going to get the amazing thing too. And I think a lot of leaders don't want to deal with the messiness. They want, they just want amazing, you know, and if you're not amazing, I fire you, I get somebody else, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you're exactly right. But we all come with the baggage. We all come with the history. We all come with the emotions. We all come with uh, our our past lives and we bring it to the table. And we, as a leader, we try to bring all these people together with all these different backgrounds. And so, yeah, it seems messy at times, but the truth yeah. is it's also amazing at times if we can get it right. Well, and why do you think the the latest um, fan or the latest fad right now or, or the buzzwords right now that you hear most our psychological safety yeah, and, yeah. you know, corporate or, or mental health wellness, all of that comes from dealing with emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we had the industrial revolution and we had the command and control and we had the people are robots kind of um, c- corporate environments, um, emotions weren't allowed. They weren't right. allowed. They weren't, they were frowned upon and even today, they pretty much still are. I mean, I have fought that battle my entire career. Um, I'm one of the people that would look at my boss and say, listen, you know, I don't do subtle. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want me, if you want me to do something different, or if you're giving me feedback, don't sugarcoat it, hit me with the two by four. Yeah, I might be pissed about it, or excuse me, I might be upset about it for a <laughs> while, but I'll get over it. And then I'll be ready to move forward. Yeah. And I think what we what we um, are getting because of that attitude of stuff at all, you know, no motion is allowed, is we're getting the psychological um, safety argument that people don't feel like that they can say what they really feel or think. And then instead, they'll wind up they wind up leaving the company as opposed to shining and being amazing, like you said. Mm, yeah, I see it all the time. It's it's mm-hmm. very interesting. And it is good to see the shift. So I'm, I'm glad to see it personally. Uh, mm-hmm. w- one thing I wanted to ask you, you have uh, you have a master's degree in literature. So yeah. uh, and you say that that helps you actually coach people through change. So tell us a little bit about that, because I think it's a, ne- a neat um, perspective. Well, um, it, if you think about it, a really, really great story. A really great novel is really truly nothing more than the study of people Mm -hmm. in a situation typically stressful and how they deal with it and what the consequences are when i was looking at my love for change management i kept thinking why do why do i love this so much what is it that is drawing me to it and what i realized was that um my background in literature really prepared me to see people in stressful situations and see the connections and see the outcomes and see the uh, plot twists, if you will. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it really, it really helps me to see patterns uh, within an organization to help me see cultures very quickly within an organization and zero in on where there's opportunity to change things and make things better. Hmm. Interesting. I, I think yeah. of like the character arc in most stories, you know, it's, it's yes. like our leader's journey. Like, like I was the guy that was assigned yep. to fix, fix businesses. Right. So they brought me in, there's problems. I show up and I'm facing, you know, a, a 
you know, a, a disjointed team, bad financial numbers, scrap problems, safety problems. And so I'm that character that falls into the, you know, the hero's journey and I'm in this conflict and I've got to bring everything to a happy ending at the end. Right. So mm-hmm. it's so much like a story arc, you know, and then every chapter, you know, something changes, like you make improvements and you fall backwards. Right. And then you, you and so I really do think that the story uh, is helpful. And it's also helpful as leaders as we're communicating the how the business is changing if we keep it in into the story here here's where we're at in the story we're at the beginning of the story but the end of the story looks like this and we got to get there and so there's going likely going to be some some mountains we have to climb and some deep valleys of problems we're going to face but we're going to end up getting to you know where we're headed to somewhere and if we can remember to you know communicate in a story format with our employees they can see that they're on a journey with us Exactly. And not only that, but if you can communicate your culture in the way that you would communicate a story mm-hmm. and look at, and actually I did a speech um, just this past Friday for a group and we were talking about culture and how it impacts the bottom line. And I said, okay, if you think about your best friend, what are some adjectives you would describe as your best friend? Think of your nemesis. What are some adjectives there? Mm-hmm. Now think of your company. Think of your company and describe your company with adjectives as if they were a person. Mm. And it was amazing. It was amazing for them to actually think about the culture of their company. And it's not all, you know, great roses and it's not all, oh, my gosh, we're going down the tubes. It's it's a combination of here are some things that I absolutely adore. And really bring people into my company and really thrill customers. Mm. And these these are some things that I'm not really quite satisfied with. Mm. I wish we had a better level of trust between finance and sales or whatever the case may be. And so that was just a really interesting um, argument to, to bring to them and help them see their stories and create a character that is their company. Mm. in that story. I like that. I like that. I've never mm. heard quite heard it put that way. And I really like that. So how do, mm. how do you would how would you define your company as you would your your best friend or enemy? That's that's kind of an interesting way yeah. to think about it. The, those uh those adjectives. So uh yeah good that's an interesting one leaders take that one to heart. That's like kind of a neat one to, to think about. So instead mm-hmm. of saying what's bad and what's good, but like describe it in terms of adjectives. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um so what are some of the big shifts that are taking place in, in the workplace that we as leaders have to sort of watch out for so that we don't kind of get left behind? Um, I think speaking to the boomers specifically, I'm the actually the last year of the boomers. So okay. I am 1960, 63, 64, depending. Yes, I'm 59. So... <laughs> <laughs> and I like being 59. So well, I'm, I'm I'm a first year Gen Xer, so I'm 67. So I'm, I'm right, right next to each other. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But what I would say to the boomers is if you take a look at it, um, you know, given that the quote unquote retirement age is 67, we have about nine more years to really make our mark. And in that nine years, we have to remain relevant. Mm. And what is happening is um, a lot of the values that we were brought up with 
meaning in the corporate world, not personal lives, but in the corporate world, um, you know, you work more than 40 hours a week and you're there late and you come in early and you, you know, you're um, going up the corporate ladder and all of those things. A lot of those things are no longer applicable in the world that we live in now. Right. And there are more millennials in the workforce than there are any other generation right now. So they've overtaken the power structure, but that power structure was in for so long and it was so ingrained that um, those of us who are left in the boomer generation and even some of the early Xers, um, what we're finding is we're clinging to a little bit too hard oh, yeah. to what was as opposed to what could be. Um, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with my executive clients over the last couple of years talking about, you know, the uh, bashing the millennials, bashing the Generation Z and their values and their mores and whatever the case may be. I say what we really need to be doing is learning from them mm. and keeping they know things that we weren't brought up with they know things that they can share with us and we have the experience if we if we present that experience properly and with respect and trust then they will get a great a boon if you will of experience that they can then use to be better leaders going forward with their own value set Hmm. um i think as soon as anyone becomes closed-minded and quits learning and quits questioning their own um, uh, their own dogma, uh, you you get into trouble. You get, you start becoming the working retired. I call them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we we've <laughs> talked about that on the show. I think it's a big part of it. Is is this this idea of a growth growth mindset? Even oh yes, you get older. You know, I think I think it's harder because we get set in our ways. You know, when we come in, like mm-hmm. I came into corporate world after after the military, and I was like, "Oh, this is great! I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do," you know, and I'm going to go up mm-hmm. the corporate ladder and you know maybe retire from this company, get the gold watch, and because that's what you know my the, my dad did and my grandfather did, mm-hmm. right? So that's the, what we thought was the the path, but. Um, you know, uh, the twists and turns and, and, and changes. And you, you find yourself like that, 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 that it's not, it's not the world that, that it, what's not my father's world anymore. Right. And no. when I, when I talk with the millennials and, and, you know, they tend to be a little more me orientated where we tend to be a little more uh, well, we're going to sacrifice for the company. And I, and I look at what they think and I think, well, what's wrong with that? Why not, why not take care of me a little bit, right? Why am I sacrificing all for the gold watch, right? And I think that there's yeah. some we can learn a lot from from that uh, that mindset or or that a different perspective, I guess, because they weren't raised the way we were raised. And I think I enjoy it. I'm 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 I have one other older employee than me, but uh, I'm you know one of the older employees, and and mm-hmm. the, the people I work with day to day, in and out, are 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 millennials and uh, and the gen uh, the Gen Zs, and I love I get so much energy from them because they see the world completely different than than I do. They're they're living in a time when they've always had a computer, they've always had a cell phone, mm-hmm. they've always had internet, you know, and and we didn't yeah. have that, right? So to me, you know, it's just like you know, it's kind of neat to see that the way that they grew up was completely different. And there's kind of exciting things you can learn from that. Yeah. And, and you know, going back to what you said about the me versus we, 
actually, I would say also that we could switch that around because we, um, the boomers, we would sacrifice for the company, but we also were taught to compete with each other. Yeah. And so we didn't, we don't collaborate nearly as well yeah. as the millennials and the Gen Zs. Yeah. They might be all about me. If it's a choice between me and the company, it's yeah. going to be me right. or my family. Right. right? Um, but when it comes down to me as an employee, I want to, I want to collaborate. They'll yeah. put a team yeah. together in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely adore that about them. It 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 is very challenging, I will say, sometimes when I am asking, okay, who's in charge of this? Who is ultimately responsible for getting this done? And they'll say, Well, we all are. Yes, yes. You know? That's very true. Yes. <laughs> That's probably the biggest thing that I have a problem with coming from a project management background. You know, there's tasks and there's people that are assigned one person and here's the deadline. Um, So I'm learning. I'm learning a lot from that. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This podcast is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Now, don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to help take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. So if you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at jeremyclevengerfitness.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Fraternity of Excellence. The Fraternity of Excellence is an online and real-world community for men who are looking to improve in all areas of their lives. The men of FOE are working together to become better husbands, fathers, and leaders at work and in their communities. They live by a simple philosophy, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, I've been a member for more than three years, and for me, I finally found a brotherhood of men that I was missing from my time in the military. Now, I love being around guys who are dedicated to becoming a better version of themselves. So if you're interested in becoming a man of excellence as well, go to fraternityofexcellence.com, or you can reach out directly to me to learn more. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanized with Blue Tulusma, 
a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on ElectroCast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. ElectroCast. If you have an open mind and you're willing to look at it with a curious, with curiosity and not a fixed, like, oh, that's, that's not the way, you know, we should do right. things. You know, I think, I think you can, you can gain a lot from it. And I think one thing you talk about, uh, and I was just curious about that is this idea of reverse mentoring mm-hmm. and what, what does that look like? And, you know, I get, I guess I take it, we're touching a little bit on it with, through this, this conversation, but what is that when you say reverse mentoring, mentoring, and why is that important? Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, it was uh, a term that was coined by Jack Welsh way back in the 90s um, with GE. And at that time, it meant um, a younger person mentoring a, an older generation person. It's hard to say. It's hard not to say young and old, but right, right. <laughs> I, I try. I try really hard. But um, that's what, what it was back then. Recently, it's come back around and a lot of large organizations that I've worked with have instituted a reverse mentoring program. Some of them call it reverse mentoring. Some of them call it, you know, something else. But really, truly, it is matching up a millennial or Gen Z employee with a boomer or Xer employee mm-hmm. and with with the intention that they teach each other, that they mentor each other. Where that um, where that works very successfully is when the line of power or yeah. the line of the organizational power is not um, one over the other that that they're not in the same business unit or that sort of thing. It also works very well when they each have very specific goals that they want to um, enhance. So the uh, the younger person might say, I want to improve my communication skills or my public speaking skills, or I want to understand more about this industry and, and really what makes it work behind the scenes. And the older person might say, I really need to understand more about social media and mm-hmm. influencers and yeah. what the real impact is on the bottom line. And some of this new technology, technology is a big one in this um in this back and forth, but there are also some programs and I have one that is reverse mentoring that's outside of an organization. And so I'll get, I'll have um, an executive coach and uh, coachee of mine who expresses an interest and I'll um, hook them up with someone in a master's program or a young, a person young in their career, put them together and just monitor that relationship set it up to succeed and monitor the relationship as part of my coaching. I'm thinking about calling it switch mentoring as opposed to reverse mentoring because <laughs> yeah. it makes more sense. It's a two way, you know, two way situation. It really is. I think it's two way. I think it's great. I mean, yeah. you know, the amount of pe- things I've learned from young people is, is amazing. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. like, like today, like I, I know web skills, like I have web skills, like I, I'm, I'm not, I'm 55. I shouldn't have web skills, but I've learned it by working with younger people. I'm like, teach me yeah. how to do this. Cause I want to be able to do it on my own. 
And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I learned this and now I have skills that most people my age don't have. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to dig into the background behind like WordPress and just, you know, make something look good on my right. on my company website or my personal website. And when I meet a lot of times, I'll meet other authors that are similar ages. Mine's like, who does your website? I'm like, well, I do. They're like, well, how did you learn how to do that? I'm like, young people, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> where you learn how to do things. And so I really do believe in that idea of learning, you know, learning from everyone that you're around. But I think mm-hmm. don't, um, you know, don't dismiss the fact that somebody's younger than you, that you can't learn from them. And I think that's yeah. that's the idea that having that growth mindset, uh, the, the the ability to say, what does this person bring to the table that I would like mm-hmm. to learn, that I would like to master? Right. You know, social media is one that I like. I think I've done pretty good on most things, but like when I look at TikTok, I'm I'm so lost, and I feel like such an old man when I get around TikTok. I do have a TikTok uh. page, and I do have some leadership stuff on it, but boy, it seems so old fashioned the way I do it compared to other people. You know, so I think that we can yeah. learn. We can learn from from everyone that's around us, including young people. Well, and I think it just that just your example just points out um, a huge difference in values and attitudes. Mm. Right. When I started working, I worked at a bank for 10 years early in my career. Um, Women were not allowed to wear pants. Mm. That is such a foreign concept, (laughs) you know, to, (laughs) to any young woman I speak with now. What do you mean that would fire you if you didn't wear? Yeah, that was the dress code. Right, right. So, um, just how they think about the what's proper, what is what's going to sell. You know, they're speaking to their own demographics. We're speaking to ours. Yeah. We need to be able to speak to all demographics. Now, my brand is not such that I'm going to go and do a TikTok and singing and dancing in my socks. You know, that's just not my brand. But if it were my brand, I would do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it's a special thing, TikTok, and I don't know that I'm doing it right. <laughs> but but, uh, but I think you're right. I think the idea that um, we're, we're, we're open and we're willing to listen and we're open and willing mm-hmm. to learn new things. And, you know, like right now, I'm in a PhD program and every one of my colleagues is is half my age or, or younger. And so, but I actually think it's fun for me because I'm learning from them uh, as much as they're learning from me. And I think that those kind of opportunities are great. And we need to do that. Even as we get older, we shouldn't say, you know, I'm, I'm 55. I should be, you know, thinking about retirement and starting to, you know, uh, you know, go out to pasture. I I think, no, I think there's so many ways that we can learn and we can get better. We can improve. Uh, and, and we, we, but we can't, if we stick, if we try to, if we stay too much in the past, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We have a ton to offer, but we have a ton to offer because we spent our whole entire lives learning. Yeah. 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 And experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. We can't just cut that part off and say, okay, we're tired of all that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We have all this experience and, and, uh, but sometimes people don't ask us about it. So yeah, exactly. They're like, why didn't you ask me that? I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Oh Yeah. (laughs) Don't even get me started. My daughter called and asked me something. And I said, honey, seriously, I'm an executive coach. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, 
you know, I know. Well, why didn't you come to me sooner about this? But I know. Yeah. We're the, we're the last ones that are going to ask for uh, It is for what advice. it is. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one thing you said, and I was curious about this, you said, uh, you said there's, there's five important actions that leaders need to take to ensure that we leave a lasting and positive legacy for ourselves mm-hmm. and our, in, in our organizations. What are those mm-hmm. five, uh, five actions? Now I'm going to have to remember them. (laughs) Got you on the spot. (laughs) You got me on the spot. I did rewrite them down, though. Um, First of all, we've been talking about this consistently, and that is stay open-minded. Don't quit learning. That's number one for just living, not only only being a leader, but just period living. Um, Let people have emotions. They... They people you're as a leader, people aren't going to remember what you do as much as how you make them feel. And yeah. you know, you've heard that. I I don't even know who said that quote first, but it, it really is totally true. Mm-hmm. Um rely on your lieutenants, your you know, your trusted partners, your top line staff for the easy stuff. And when I say easy stuff, I mean you know, the data, the the financials, the market research, et cetera, et cetera. And as a leader, it's more important for you to pay attention to your vision, your purpose, your culture, and your people. Uh, that. that is where I think a lot of leaders spend less time when they really should spend more time on that those things. And then uh, the last one is judge not. Mm, judge not judge not i don't know about that one i'm just kidding no you're right but that's that's where we get into the problem when we say you know when we're hearing maybe you know like like for example they showed some of the videos of the former tiktok or not tiktok but twitter employees and and the life that they live where they go to the cafeteria then they get a cappuccino then they go here and they go there and they have free you're like that's not work, you know, like yeah. we're judging, right? We're saying that that's not work. You got to do it the way I did it, which you got to bring your lunch in every day. And you have, oh, to, yeah. you know, you have to be in a uh, an office that's not air conditioned and, you know, you have to sacrifice. That's what work is. Uh, and so we judge. And I saw myself doing that when I've seen some of those Twitter, you know, videos of employees, like the life that they live. I'm like, that's a great life. I was and the reason I was angry because I was jealous. Like I want that life. Exactly. <laughs> right? I was just gonna say, I want that life. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But the thing, the thing is, and this happened when we went into remote work as well. Yeah. It's like, why weren't we already doing re- more remote work? Right. Because right. we didn't trust each other. We didn't. Yeah. We didn't. And that was our my generation's values. That yeah. was the boomer value. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't even tell you how many times I've heard an executive complain that they miss being able to walk down the aisle of cubicles and do a drive-by task assignment. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what? It this this actually being remote helps out because now you have to stop and ask yourself is that really something I need to have done? And what's the priority against everything else that's going on? Yeah. And by yeah. the way, employees are nine times out of 10, they're more productive when they're working from home or working in it. And I'm not just saying just from home, but in a situation where they feel valued, where they feel trusted yep. to get their work done, yep. 
and not tied to a clock or, you know, outside of what's absolutely critical for the job. I mean, you're in manufacturing. You got to, you know, your per- people we have, have to, to be on yeah, the line. Go. You yeah. got to be there. I get yeah. that. But, you know, for for a lot of knowledge workers, as long as they're getting their work done, it really doesn't matter when it gets done. And that's and that's something that older employees, older leaders, managers have to have to sort of recognize that they have a deficiency yeah. there. We think that you have to be there to be productive, and the truth is, a lot of stuff, a lot of a lot of things are getting done uh, remote, mm-hmm. and uh, and it and it and we we've all survived. All our company, not everybody, but a lot of companies have survived and thrived oh, yeah. during this during this time. So we, it can be done. It can be done effective. And uh, we just have to get used to a new way of thinking about things, you know. Right. Uh, and I think that's uh, the challenge for for the older generations as we as we want to be effective. We want to leave a positive legacy. We have to be open minded to well, maybe maybe the way I always did it isn't the best way to do things, right? Maybe there are other ways to do things. In my mind, it's what is the goal? Yeah. You know, what is the outcome? And if the outcome is happening, why should I care? Yeah. Right. That just yeah. causes me to have to use more brain cells worrying about something that, you know, isn't yeah. going to happen. Yeah. So I I would prefer to trust people. I think that they, in my personal experience as a leader, many, many years, the, the thing that I have probably feel the best about is my, the fact that I do trust my people. Mm. Once they, once, you know, once I know for sure they can get that job done, uh, it's totally in their court, and then they just can come to me if they have problems or have or need me for something. Um, but trust is a big one. Mm, yeah, I see yeah. that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is Julie. This has been a fantastic discussion. How can well, people you. find out more about you and your executive coaching, your speaking? Mm-hmm. Uh, how what, what can we where can they go to find all this information? Okay. Well, obviously, I have a website. It's uh, jnoonanconsulting dot com. Uh, also, I love to link in with people uh, because a lot of times I can, I may link in with you and then go, oh, I know somebody, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. then I can make introductions. I, I love to do that. Uh, so link in with me um, or look at my website. You can contact me from my website. Everything's there. Well, fantastic. Well, we'll put mm-hmm. the uh, links in the show notes for those resources. Julie, thanks for coming on the show. And thanks for giving us this this perspective and this way to think about um uh, how to lead uh, in this time of, of change and in a time where we have these so many generations in the workforce yeah. that have different values than our values. So this mm-hmm. has been a really great discussion. Julie, thank you for coming on the show and sharing all this. Oh, thank you, John. I really appreciate it. And I've had a ball. I have as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? 
Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. <laughs>